Lift the Earth and welcome to the world transformed. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, one that will be here sooner than you think, and one that you have an important role to play in bringing about. At the world transformed, we want to introduce you to what may be the greatest transformation of them all. The one that begins with considering and acting on the almost limitless possibilities that lie before us and that ends somewhere beyond the reach of the human imagination. So, when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-author, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic. Happy Friday. How are you, my friend? Well, uh, Friday is a reality, right? We, uh, we, are really, we really made it to Friday. So. That's right. And, in fact, it's a, it's a good example of the, kind of the cusp, right, between real life and then the weekend, which what is that? You know, is that, That's right. Is that reality or its own thing? So what a, what a, what a great introduction to our, to our topic tonight. Is this the real life, as Queen has asked us so many times at the beginning of Bohemian Rhapsody, or is it just fantasy? Well, we've got a couple of stories that kind of touch on that, and then we've got a couple of new features we're going to introduce this week. So it's a, it's a fun Friday evening. Where does reality end? and imagination begin. In the future, we might not know. This is a really interesting talk over on Big Think by Jordan Greenhall. He's the CEO of Neurohacker. And he talks about something that I've thought about quite a bit, which is the fact that, you know, we've, we've always had this problem of blurring the lines between fantasy and reality, that you can get so caught up in our imaginary world, your imaginary world, that that you have trouble with the real world. This is this has been true forever. It's it's always been a problem. Right. Um, it's a problem that people used to think you know worry about around comic books. They worried about it around you know Star Trek and movies, and they they worried about it around uh, uh, Dungeons and Dragons role playing games, those kinds of things. You know, where does the fantasy stop? Where does the reality begin, right? We've heard it lots of times. In fact, if you take it all the way back to the first novel, what's considered really the first novel ever written, Don Quixote um, by uh, Miguel Cervantes, the the story there is Don Quixote has been reading these old romances, these old poems about knights, and he's such a fanboy that he just slips over the edge, right? And and he he thinks... Those charging windmills, right? Yeah, he Uh, thinks he's living in in that world. But in, in all of these instances before now, you know, there was a mechanism. There was a, what I'm looking for, um, you know, there was a medium in between you and the, and the other reality, you know, kind no, of a... You can, always, you can always pinch yourself to see if you're dreaming, right? And right. There are methods to find out if, if you're really in base reality or, or something else. Yeah, you can be really engrossed in a book, but most people can then put the book down and it's like they're back in the room they were in, right? Same right, with the, right. you know, same with a TV show, same with, um, same with a really uh, engrossing role-playing game. But with virtual reality, you got something else here. Okay, you you are not um, just creating a parallel subjective experience that overtakes the one you're having, you are given a whole new subjective experience that completely overwhelms and eliminates the other one, right? So, right. so the, the fantasy experience or the virtual experience, the non-real reality becomes reality. And what are the dangers um, that that represents, right? Is that, a, is, is that a risky proposition? What do you think? 
Well, we don't even have to get into full-blown VR to, to begin to see some of the dangers, Bill. I mean, I mean, I, I'm, I'm one of these uh, people that believe, you know, along with, uh, what's the author who wrote Everything Bad's Good for You? Um, I don't know. Uh, Steve, that was Stephen, uh, gosh, forget his last name. But anyway, uh, uh, anyway, that, that, um, that book, uh, you know, basically said, you know, even, uh, even our television, everything is just making us smarter. I mean, it, just the things that we do, plugging in and looking at computer screens all day, it's, it's you know, it's, uh, it's making us more capable of doing, you know, and, and it's actually making us better than uh, Stephen Johnson would be without this. Yeah, Stephen Johnson. Thank you. Uh, great author. He's written a lot of great books, and that's one of them. That's one of them. But I think we're beginning to see uh, a, a, a downside of just, you know, guys in their, you know, guys in their 20s just checking out and on their own video games. I mean, they're just, you know, and quite frankly, if you lose the 20s, the entire direction of your life uh, is affected, in my opinion. It's going to be different. You know, yeah. I mean, they, you, right. you, <laughs> you can't, you can't mess with that decade without having the whole rest of your life be different. It's impossible. I mean, right. you, that's true of any decade, but man, that's a big one, you know, uh, at least in the traditional kind of career, family, life model that it you was, and I were it, raised it, into, the, right? Well, I mean, it, the 20s were huge for me. I, I, yeah. That's all I can say. It, it, if, if I had chosen... And you know, there were there were some video games I could play, but nothing as engrossing as there is now. But if if there if I'd have just chosen to, you know what, I'm just going to check out and play video games for a you know a decade, and uh, you know the world will be here when I'm when I'm when I'm done. Well, right. It would have been you know it would have been a very different a very different world, and uh, you know my life would have been affected in terrible ways that I don't even want to think about. Well, it seems to be happening, and. Um, if you, you know the, uh, the there's a new um, a trailer for a movie coming out next early next year I believe uh, Ready Player One. Oh um, yeah, we've talked about one. the book. Yeah, we've talked about it on uh, the book on, on our show previous. Well, the movie's coming out, and now the, the first trailer for that movie has come out, and it looks incredible. But at the at the beginning of the trailer, it says they call us the missing millions because there's nowhere to go anymore. You know, right. it's this the, except for into virtual reality, and uh, uh, to me, that's 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 definitely definitely a dystopia, isn't it? I mean, that's not that's not something we we should strive for. We want to we want a richer future than that uh, that incorporates both virtual reality and 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 this reality. I mean, we want to we want the best of all worlds. Yeah, I think so. you know that's a worthy of its own series of shows. Actually, what you just mentioned because it's a it's a really complex problem and. There are those who would attribute it primarily to how compelling the technology is, yep. and there's no question that plays a role. And then there are those who say, well, look, society has just changed. The economy has changed. The incentives aren't there for guys to follow the old path anymore, so they found an alternative, right? Um, w without, with, without those incentives, they might have found a different alternative anyway. It might have been booze or drugs or whatever, yep. but, but, but this is – you know, now, now it's video games and porn, yeah. yeah, this is exactly. crass. That's, that's what we're talking about. This is the one that found. You, you, you look at the really interesting societal stuff that's going on in Japan and a very similar model, very similar uh, issues, and probably more pronounced. They're probably farther along with it. I, well, I, I just think they're, I think they're just a decade or two ahead of us is all. Yeah. I think yeah. that uh, what, what we're seeing there is what will 
be seen here. Uh, if you know, if you know, we got we got to make base reality a a, a richer experience for uh, for younger people. It seems to me uh, than, than what we have right now. And well, or we got to make virtual reality a more meaningful experience where they Maybe get something so. done with their life. You know, one or the other. Yeah, that's right. Well, you you can go work in virtual reality at <laughs> yeah. a real job. Right? But but something's got to change. You know, that that equation needs some work on one side or the other. Probably, um, probably both. We'll probably we'll probably end up we'll probably end up having to tweak both sides of that of that equation. But I, I but I think you raise a really good a really good point, and it's not what Greenhall talks about here at all. Um, and and we'll we'll come back to uh, we'll come back to what he talks about. But but I think what you mentioned is probably as great or greater. A risk than the kinds of the kinds of things that uh, Jordan Greenhall talks about in his talk. It it's this is the dark underbelly of ephemeralization, right? What happens when you ephemeralize your entire life, right? You yeah. you know n- not not just and by that I don't just mean the fact that you're having virtual experiences instead of real experiences. I mean that you know you're having virtual milestones instead of real milestones right you're having, you know you're having virtual decades instead of real decades um you know pl- playing games i mean it's it's uh you know we, we talk about ephemeralization and this wonderful power of moving so many messy complicated hard to do things into the into the digital substrate and making life so much easier for us but i don't know Maybe there's some messy, complicated, hard-to-do things that are intrinsically so rewarding that there's a huge loss, right? If you move those into the yeah. digital substrate with, without without the appropriate, uh, you know, if you're not if you're not adequately replicating them there. And I think we're a long way away from somebody really having a real career and a real family and that kind of experience, really, truly having those kinds of experiences in the virtual world. Maybe we're closer oh, to yeah. it than I think. I but, mean. But, the the experience of I don't know meeting a real girl if you're a guy or a real guy if you're a girl whatever you know to, a significant other and and all the awkwardness and the learning how to be around somebody that you're attracted to without making a complete fool of yourself and you know just the the dating the risk the danger the triumph yeah. of that you know yeah. I mean you can't no, put it into right. words it's amazing yeah that's you, right I mean it's you know, it's why Squints is the hero of Sandlot, right? I mean, he, <laughs> you know, he, he was uh, he was as uh, uh, intimidated by uh, Wendy Peppercorn as the rest of the guys, but uh, he went for it, right? So, anyway, that that's you know, like you say, it's just the uh, it's it's it, real life is hard to replicate, and uh, that sort of thing is hard to replicate. Yeah, and in, it's uh, messy, and it's labor intensive, and it's frustrating, but and. You know, yeah. maybe that's all to the good. Maybe there's there's an upside to things being messy and frustrating and and uh, labor intensive sometimes. So uh, absolutely, there's the ephemeralization of life, and then there's the other stuff that that uh, Greenhall talks about here, which is just the you know think about virtual reality as a persuasion tool. Think about it as a propaganda tool. Think about it as a you know a, a means of selling us stuff or getting us persuaded of you know, ideological, taking us down an ideological road or any of those kinds of things, all the dangers that were inherent in of, of that kind of abuse in earlier media are multiplied, what, a millionfold in virtual reality, right? right? Be, be, just because the experience is, is so much more compelling. And 
And he talks about, he says, if we think social media encroaches on our lives now, we're not prepared for a future in which dreaming and waking look eerily, this, uh, eerily similar. How will it change election campaigns, personal relationships? Will you be responsible for your own addictions and behaviors in this future? It's a, you know, even if we work out the whole guys dropping out of society thing, there's just a bunch of, uh, you know, potential risks around people not being able to distinguish adequately <laughs> between, between reality and virtual reality. Because I, 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 think, I think we get into a uh, – we talk ourselves into a corner when we think that we've ever got a completely 100% objective view of real reality, right? I, I think that that's probably not the case. We, we're always working off biases and incomplete knowledge and, and wish – you know, wishful thinking and, and just a whole host of other things that we don't even recognize that are, that are driving us to have our perception of the world. But we're trying to approximate the real world. What happens when you just give up on the approximation, right? What, what if, what if uh, you know what, you, you know, you have these particular political, religious beliefs or these beliefs that you just won't confirm. You could uh, jack into some kind of, you know, virtual reality where cause and effect are completely different. Where if you know you, you know if you're a communist, uh, you know communism actually works in this you know virtual reality because cause and effect don't have the same you know uh, it just doesn't work the same in these virtual realities. You could you, I mean basically you can alter anything you like in these. I mean you can uh, and and so is that a good thing? Well, I, you know to the extent that it's used for propaganda. Uh, I, uh, and 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 it doesn't really work in the real world, and and yet it's used to sell a vision of how it should work that doesn't really work. That's that's potentially dangerous. Um, so, I, I, you know, you have to be mindful of these things, man. We're, you know, it seems like we're being, I'm, I'm, especially me, I'm being a luddite tonight. That's uh, a little unusual. I, I don't think we're I don't think we're being a luddite when we spend our twenty percent of the time talking about risks. We're just, uh, I guess we're, so. yeah, we're we're talking we're talking about the downside. And, and this is the downside. So what do we do? Well, what we're going to have to do is in addition to interfaces to these technologies, we are going to have to build a whole set of defenses against interfaces with these technologies, right? We're going to have to be wary of the compelling experiences that we're also going to be so eagerly partaking of. That's, that's, the, you know, that's the deal. And it's just like taking on any other dangerous but wonderful thing like sex or booze or any other rest of it right it's like yeah you you have to go into it in a in a, in a way that starts out by knowing what it is knowing what the limitations are knowing what the risks are right i mean that's just that's how that's how life works right that, that's how any good thing that has a downside works and so i think we're going to spend the next few years not only seeing amazing cool stuff come online with virtual reality but a growing awareness of these risks and probably a growing set of strategies about what we do about those things. Because we haven't heard much about, of anything about that to date, and I think we're going to hear a lot about it in the coming years. Absolutely. Well, and with that, um, let's – oh, go ahead, unless you have more. I was just going to say, well, we, did we even get into prescription video games Maybe the future of medicine? Well, there you go. I mean, yeah. here's the upside, okay? Yeah. Now, <laughs> here's a wonderful thing, okay? Imagine if – you could correct neurological problems, mental health issues, by playing a game. Imagine if this pervasive, overarching 
object, uh, subjective experience could be something that could work to your benefit. Well, here's a great example of kind of an early stage potential proof of concept that that's exactly how this can work. They've, they've got a mobile game called Project Evo, and the idea is to help children with ADHD. So this is a prescription-based video game. No, not everybody gets to play this. If you're diagnosed with ADHD, then your doctor prescribes this to you, it gets put on your mobile device, and you get to play it um, for the brain entrainment and ADHD counteracting principles that it is intended to invoke. Is it snake oil? Will it actually work? I don't know. But the idea, I think, is sound. And even if this thing isn't the, the beginning of true uh, prescription video games, we're going to see them in, in the near future, I'm, I'm guessing. It's a, a very interesting idea. I hope it works. I, I'd like to think that, uh, that kids who suffer from that are really getting some relief based on a video game. But uh, let's put, let's put it on our radar and watch this space, right? I mean, this is something that uh, uh, that's that's fascinating. I want to I want to see how that how that goes down and whether it's you know I'm I'm kind of fifty fifty on whether this is total bunk or there's something there. And uh, it seems to me we're probably going to see a lot of a lot of snake oil, but maybe some good too. And uh, maybe and hopefully the good went out over the out of the stuff that's. Not well, here's hoping, and, and what sets yeah. this apart from pure snake oil, okay, is that the company, uh, Akili, has gone through the whole trial procedure that the FDA would require for any kind of drug, okay? So they, they have validated the results through some set of tests. Now, there's still all kinds of room for, for wiggling there, and, and we know that even even tests that prove that drugs are efficacious are kind of questionable uh, actually in the real world sometimes, but, but not to be overly skeptical, okay? The point is they've taken that step, and the FDA said, yep, this medication, this treatment is effective and can be prescribed for this, for this condition. So, hey, if, you know what? The FDA says it. Uh, there's one part of me that says, who are we to argue, right? Let's give this thing a chance. <laughs> and exactly. exactly. There, there, there are many times that we, uh, we criticize the FDA for uh, passing on things that well, dragging their heels on things, that's right. And dragging so, their heels, and if, if they're embracing it, uh, and they're, you know, they, they, they t tend to be overly conservative, so maybe, maybe we should uh, give it a chance, right? So Absolutely. That, that cool. there's, there's no question that brain entrainment is a real thing. There's no question that technology such as games, such as virtual reality, can play a huge role in, in making it really effective. So if, if you go back to the earlier story and all the downsides we just talked about, there's huge upsides too around personal productivity, around happiness, around understanding the world better, knowing things, and just being a better person that can all be enabled by these kinds of technologies. And that's what I think this story speaks to. Prescription video games may be the future of medicine. So if we sounded too negative when we talked about where reality begins and imagination ends, um, I just want to say you got to take both these stories in, in together. You know, take, take both stories and call me in the morning because I think uh, if, you, if, if, you, if you look at both of them, You've, you've got, uh, you know, a realistic picture of what we're up against and what we stand to gain. So yep. there you have it. I personally... There's our 80-20. <laughs> that's right. I, I, I personally can't get enough of, uh, you know, um, uh, non-reality. So, uh, you, you know, I, I'm going uh, I, I will, to... I will definitely be one of those who has to look for the curbs and the checks and all that kind of stuff, but I'll also be one of the first people to try 
different treatments when they're, when they're made available because I'm, I'm a big believer in that kind of stuff, and I'm looking forward to having a, a brain that works better because I played a game. Uh, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. There's 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 things that uh, things that are not so painful uh, to to improve ourselves. Uh, that, that, that's that's got to be one of the least painful things that could that we could do, right? Play exactly. Yeah. And and any better. benefit I can get from playing a game, I'm I'm all over it. Yeah, okay. You're, 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 you're there. You're signed up. I got you. <laughs> okay. So we got two new we got a new feature this week, and then we got other geek coming up. But our new feature called this week in science, and it's brought to us by our friends at uh, uh, Now Science News. And I haven't seen one of these in a while. I know that, uh, I believe that IFL Science used to do a This Week in Science, but this is the first one of these I've seen in a while. And I just thought it was worth, you know, if, if they keep doing it, this was actually last week's week of July 21st, if they keep doing it, I think we should, we should link to it at least and maybe talk about one or two of them on our show. Because I think it's, um, it, it goes to show you both why it's important that we do a show like this and why it's a real challenge to do a show like this. I mean, what do they got here? One, well, we, two, can, three, we can never hit it all. We can never right. hit it all. We're, we're doing an hour and a half of this every week now. Uh, we used to do just an hour a week, and before that, less, less often than that. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe we, we did like a, at the very beginning, when we, back in 2005, we were doing like a, an hour a month show a, a month, you know, yeah. maybe. But, uh, and and we, we can't keep up with it all. And so, yeah, maybe. So, what, what do you think? So, we just, yeah, you know, just list these things off. Just read these headlines. Uh, Let's read these headlines and suggest that everyone Google these items or or look into these things if you're if you're curious, because these are all things we would have liked to have talked about but didn't get around to. Unless we hit one, maybe that we did talk about. We'll see. But, um, yeah, you take the first one, Stephen. Okay, Harvard created the first 51 qubit quantum computer. There you now, go. Bill, been... the, the power of quantum computers, my understanding, is pretty limited, to be honest. But uh, my understanding is that uh, these things go up exponentially in computation power based on how many qubits are involved. And, and I believe uh, the show we did a couple weeks ago that somebody's line in the sand on this is you got a really effective quantum computer right around the 50 qubit mark, right? So right. here we go. Harvard's got a 50 It gets, it gets real at 50. Well, here we are at 51 for the first That's time right. ever. Congratulations, Harvard. They've turned it up to 11. Okay, how about this one? Genetically engineered yeast soak up heavy metal pollution. You know, what do you have to add? Hey, yay yeast, right? This is a great idea. Well, so so what do you do? Put, put it in your ears before going to a, a rock concert. Uh, I'm sorry. Internet. <laughs> <laughs> Not that kind. Not that kind. Not that kind. Okay. Sorry. You know, yeah. like water pollution, that kind of thing. I, maybe even in the air. I'm not sure where this yeast would be effective because I didn't read the story. But that's great. You know, let's combat, let's combat pollution with, uh, with little growing things that can, that can take care of it. What's next? Uh, scientists analyze babies' poop to predict how smart they'll be. Now, uh, Phil, believe it or not, I've actually, you know, I've, I've been kind of reading on this for the last, I don't know, six months to a year, and this is actually a thing. Um, the, uh, apparently, the um, what goes on in our intestinal tract has a lot to do with how well all kinds of systems of our body operate, including our brain. And so maybe by, you know, you know, looking at a baby's poop, you can see how well they, uh, you know, what their intestinal flora is like, and and they can actually make a prediction. Uh, and that's we remarkable. can only hope that that this research leads to dietary guidelines and suggestions for those whose poop shows that they're not going to be all that smart, right? Well, here, eat this. Right. Maybe there's something that could be done to improve 
overall health, including intelligence. Yeah, you know, and, 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 and we'll get the right bacteria. It's, it sounds it sounds funny, but I I, I, I think this is a real thing. Uh, yeah, I, I, absolutely. I'm, I'm on board for that. Yeah. Hey, it's part of this week in science. How about this one? India is rolling out trains with solar-powered coaches that will save thousands of liters of diesel. I've actually seen this. This was all over Facebook last week. And the way the stories are presented, it makes it look like those trains are running entirely on solar. I don't think that's true. I think no, they're more of a hybrid. That's not the case. They're, they're saving lots of uh, – they're saving diesel is what's happening. Yeah. But, I mean, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of roof space on these trains, right? I mean, yep. these, a, long, a long train. Well, if you get the people off there, right? You've seen those pictures of right. trains in India with people sitting up on top. But <laughs> okay, all right. Well, it wouldn't work there. But uh, with, with uh, but yeah, if it's uh, if, uh, the roof of your train is person-free, as it tends to be uh, here in the United States, then that you know you could have solar panels up there, and um, and and that could really cut down on the amount of diesel they have to use to uh, generate the, the electricity to push the train. And that's something a lot of people don't know, is that these trains are electric. Yes, they're, they're, those are diesel engines, but those are, diesel engines are powering a generator, a huge generator, and the, and the, tra- the train is actually electric. So if you've got solar panels on top of you, the train cars, that's just feeding in more electricity, which is awesome. So There you go. Next one. Uh, th- wait. Whose turn is it? I'm sorry, I, I lost track. Is it your turn? Uh, yeah, it's my turn. Uh, okay. Mystery uh, radio signals have detected uh, have been detected from a red dwarf star just 11 light years away. We'll be so talking about this one in an upcoming show, so we don't have to spend yeah, too much time on that. Uh, the, yeah, you know, 11 light years is just right. I mean, that's close. And the fact that we didn't know it was there, these these uh, these these uh, stars are very dim. I mean, yeah. it's it's almost like a it's almost like a star that didn't quite make it. It's a it's a glowing planet almost, but it's uh, that's 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 interesting. And then we got living drug that fights cancer by harnessing immune system clears key hurdle. Okay, the living drug. I don't know if it's a virus. Uh, I didn't fo- you know. There's no link there. I didn't follow it, so I, I, I can't tell you what living drug. But kind of like the yeast story. Here's a here's another here's another uh, interesting potential breakthrough in biotech. And of course, it's our Cure for Cancer of the Week. Actually, those that middle row there is is awesome, right? You got the mystery radio signals, and you got the cure for cancer. So you got you got this week's discovery of uh, intelligent life elsewhere in the universe, and this week's cure for cancer. Okay, if you, we've been doing that for years. I mean, this week's cure for cancer is, and yeah. uh, and by the way, here's here's something we've learned about the uh, about the galaxy or something. It's uh, and uh, it's cool to see that we're not the only ones seeing the. Uh, uh, the, the strides in cancer and everything. I have to think that the living drug has to be a bacteria. Maybe probably. It's being probably. harnessed in some way. That's, yep. uh, that, that, I have to think that, but again, I haven't read it either. Uh, next is uh, Google Robot Factory raises sterile mosquitoes. The device will uh, release a million per week. Now, Phil, there was a, um, there was a, a pest that, uh, that was wiped out in a very similar fashion. Uh, it, it, they learned that this particular pest, and I forget what it was, it might have been the hookworm, it, it mates just one time, and so what they did, and uh, and then it dies, right? Right. But what they did is re released a whole bunch of sterile hookworms that, that mated with the population, and uh, of course they mated once and died, you know. But but they mated with something something that was sterile, and that's uh, right. You 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 temporarily bubble up the population, increase the population, and suddenly you can start cutting the population. It's a it's an amazingly clever yeah. tactic and it uh, strategy, and it really seems to work. How about this? NASA's billion-dollar Jupiter probe just sent back new images of the Great Red Spot. Folks, Google Great Red Spot, and you can see the pictures, and they are really awesome pictures. Check it out. 
All right, and biologists' uh, calculations indicate no more than 25% of the human genome is functional. Well, you know, they've gone back and forth on this, Phil, haven't they? I mean, uh, they have. I've heard that, you know, that, uh, you know, very little of the genome was uh, functional, and then, you know, no, 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 some of this junk DNA does stuff, and now here's the pushback the other direction, I guess, that only 25% is functional. Well, and, and here's the thing. What, what you're dealing with is a – think about it as a document, <laughs> a living document, right, and that uh, gets erased and uh, it's, you get, you know, oh, that's not useful anymore. You scratch that through, and that's, that's what our genome is like. There's a whole lot of scratch-throughs and omitted stuff, and, and this paragraph way over here is being brought in over here to be useful. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of a mess uh, from an editor's point of view, but it works, right? So. That's Absolutely. Right. You know, as, as long as it keeps us going. Um, That's right. Who knows? Maybe we can find something yeah, useful in that, uh, in that other data there. And finally, the potential FCC's corruption on claimed cyber attack against filing system. Haven't heard anything about that story, but it doesn't really sound like a science story so much as a kind of a technology and government kind of a problem. Still important, uh, but probably not actually. So there you have it. Uh, still, if you're interested, check it out. So we we got it from Science News now, but apparently this is this is still the weekly update from those guys. So glad we could share that, and we'll see. This was a test run. We'll talk it over and see if we're going to do it again in future weeks. But uh, maybe we'll do it once in a while just to show how much is yeah. actually going on. That's right. But I fear we've cut into our other geek time, so I'm going to be very brief and say thank you for the recommendation of the Doctor Who episode. The episode was called Heaven Sent. It's from Season 9. It's Episode 11 of Season 9. If you haven't watched Doctor Who in a while because you think the show's not got it anymore, uh, I will repeat Stephen's recommendation and check out this show. This was totally cool. It's got me very excited about Doctor Who. Uh, and uh, now that his uh, uh, tenure is coming to an end, very excited about Peter Capaldi as Doctor Who. He, uh, he, he really plays the part, adds a lot to that character. And uh, I'm looking forward to going back and watching his episodes. I thought it was quite cool. Thank you, Stephen, for that recommendation. <laughs> it was, yeah. And, and uh, it's, not, it's not always to, up to that. I mean, that's like a, you know, maybe one of the best ones I've seen. And, uh, um, but I haven't seen them all. And uh, I tell you what, I, I'll pass along recommendations as I, as I get them. <laughs> and uh, if, if I'm blown, blown away by a Doctor Who episode, I'll, uh, I'll sure let you know. So Definitely. Thank you. All right. Any anyway. other geek happening in your life? Uh, well, you know, um, my, uh, my, third son i've got i've got four and uh my third son he uh he turned 14 and uh he had kind of an interesting uh request for his birthday uh we got him a couple other things but what uh, you know he asked specifically for something he saw on youtube it's a machine called a well a hard candy cotton candy machine okay and it's uh, and uh, you can get on youtube and uh, you know and uh, pull up the video on that it's interesting it takes it ta it'll take a hard candy even a sugar free hard candy phil uh -huh. and uh and turn it into cotton candy and uh the, our the experiences that we've had with it are pretty hilarious um uh, he, uh, you know, he's put in um, various things, and the sugar-free stuff is great. If you, you know, if it's a, if it's a good sugar-free can, uh, hard candy already, it'll be even better as cotton candy. And uh, um, 
and you know, Werther's Originals made made some pretty great uh, uh, caramel sugar-free caramels. Coffee. I'm guessing, or are they toffee? Yeah, They're caramels, right? Yeah, yeah, you can get them out in toffee, but also in caramel, and uh, it makes pretty pretty awesome uh, cotton candy that way. That does sound good. So what did you think? Well, it felt like a lemon drop in there. Have you tried lemon drops? How does that work? Oh yeah, and and, and, and I mean, it, for something about it, maybe because there's there's more surface space. Okay, when you when you eat cotton candy that's made from a hard candy, you put you put a hard candy in your mouth and you taste the lemon, of course, and it's, mm-hmm. it's good. But something about the you know this melt in your mouth business and and all. These little these little crystals that hit your tongue. It's like it's like the flavor is turned up to ten, right? Wow. Uh, it's just I mean this, and so you take a you take a candy that's pretty good, and it's bam! Oh, wow, I'm 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 ruined for a normal cotton candy and normal hard candy after that. You know, it's just much better. But I'm going to tell you one of the funnier things. Um, well, let's just put a regular peppermint in there and see what that's that like. That sounds awesome. Peppermint cotton candy. How could you go wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you, you know what we got? We got toothpaste as well. I mean, I swear to God, it was toothpaste in cotton candy form, and uh, I do not recommend that. Uh, but uh, uh, maybe, you know, we, we thought that, well, maybe if you add uh, a little chocolate, you get a York peppermint patty cotton candy kind of thing. Oh, there you go. So that's, that, that'll be our next experiment with it. Okay, well, keep us posted. Hey, keep up the research, okay? That's important <laughs> yeah, work absolutely. you guys are doing. Gonna, Listen, better living through technology. We're breathing new life into your old hard candy, okay? I'm just I'm very excited that <laughs> we're able to report on this. That, that does sound awesome. I'm going to have to check that out and maybe see if I can persuade my – that thing has the word candy in it twice, so I don't know if I'll talk my wife into it, but I'm going to try. I'm going to well, give it to Well, tell her that uh, you can use sugar-free candy and make cotton candy. I mean, I mean uh, sugar-free cotton candy that tastes good. You know, that's, that's pretty amazing right there. So um, – yeah, it, it, it's that sounds like a good deal. Up. I mean, how, yeah, how can you go wrong? You with definitely it? put it under the Christmas tree, or, or, or definitely a kid's birthday. But I mean, it, it's you can't go wrong with something like that. So, anyway, mm, it's been fun. you know, I got one who's really interested in cooking. Anyway, I could just slip that to her, and then yeah. <laughs> All right, good, good, uh, good strategy there. Just as long as my wife doesn't listen to the podcast, I'm safe. Excellent. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, thanks, Stephen. This has been a fun show. It's been a great week, and look forward to being with you. Look forward to being with you all next week. Our friend Will Brown is going to be with us talking about his contribution to Visions for a World Transformed and some other fascinating future-facing topics. Look forward to being with you all then, and until next time, live to see it. <laughs> <laughs>